Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I have a word for you today um, that the Lord gave me for a group of youth that we were chaperoning at a youth worldview conference. And I spoke to them under this theme briefly. I'm going to elaborate on it with you today. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 to 19. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 to 19. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I want to preach to you today under the theme, uh, purpose doesn't need permission. Purpose doesn't need permission. And where I want to begin uh, is talking about your purpose. Because there is a, there is a, there is a need to differentiate, to be able to distinguish between purpose and mission. Between purpose and mission. Your purpose is the reason you exist. Your purpose is the reason you are here. The reason you were born. The reason God formed you in your mother's womb. You, your, your parents may have, may have been unexpectedly, uh, may have had you unexpectedly. You might have been a, an unexpected, uh, child as I was because my mom was very young and she wasn't ready. And I thank the Lord that she chose life because if not, I would not be here today. Praise the Lord. And you would not have the purpose of seeing my beautiful face. I mean, the, privilege of seeing my beautiful face. So I thank the Lord that though my mother uh, had the option to, you know, end her pregnancy at 15 years old, she chose life. But before you were born, God had already had, he had already purposed you. And that's the reason why you're here. Your purpose is simply why you exist. The identity crisis that exists among so many people in the world, it, it's, it's a, it's not a problem of ideology, it's a problem of purpose. It's a problem that they don't understand simply why they exist. And because they don't understand why they exist, they'll just go with whoever is telling them what they are and what they ought to be and how they ought to speak and how they ought to look. But when we, when we understand 
who brought us here, why we are here, because God made it so, then we have to understand that our purpose provenes, it comes from God. So he is the one who has our purpose. He's given us the reason why we're here. You're not here by mistake or by coincidence. You're here because God ordained you to be here. You're sitting in that pew because God ordained you to sit in that pew. You're part of this church because God ordained you to be part of this church. You don't need permission to follow the Lord. You don't need permission to understand why God has brought you into this world. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. Everything has a purpose. Everything. There is no coincidences. Everything has a purpose. 16 says, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, the visible, the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created. And here's purpose, through him and for him. As human beings, we tend to complicate things. Because when we're trying to answer the question of what is my purpose, we'll, we'll begin to make a list of things that we think are the reasons why we're here. And then we begin to erase based on our experiences with those things that we have listed. So in our tendency to complicate things, we miss the simplicity of understanding the Bible's teaching of purpose. So basic and so simple. You exist to be one with Christ. You exist so that he can be in you and you can be in him. That is your purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. But God in his rich mercy because of his great love. Which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together. There's twice, there's two references to your purpose, to be together with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And verse 10, we all know it. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Which God prepared beforehand. Purpose. That we should walk in them. Purpose. So it's very, see, we don't have to complicate it. God wants you to be one with Christ. He wants you to be one with Christ. Why? Because when you're one with Christ, when he is in you and you are in him, then you understand the being aspect of your life. Because we're so focused on the doing and where we fit in God's plan 
from a doing perspective because we we see what everyone else is doing and all of all of the ministries that are are prospering and God is using and all of the men and women of God that have gone through a process and and are and are fulfilling their mission and we read character through character and and biblical figure by biblical figure how they accomplish their mission so our our brains our minds they take us to wanting to know what the doing is going to be in our lives. What am I going to be doing? I'm saved. What am I going to be doing? But your doing has to be a byproduct of your understanding of your being, of who you are. You are crucified with Christ and you no longer live, but Christ lives in him. Because if you jump right to the doing, but it's you doing and not Christ doing, then your doing is not going to get you very far. Am I talking to somebody today? If you jump right to the doing, but you don't understand the being aspect, being blessed, praise the Lord, being filled with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, being filled and being able to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. When you understand the being aspect, you understand your purpose. That is purpose is being. I'll prove it to you. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And he went up to, this is when Jesus is calling the disciples. And he went up to the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. And they came to him. He called them to him. It could have just said, and he called those he, he that he wanted. He sought out those that he wanted. No, the writer, Mark says, he called unto him. That is the first step in being. It's being one with Christ. And they came to him. Then he appointed the 12. That's mission. That they might be with him. And that they might be sent out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. There's one very powerful thing when you understand the being aspect of your purpose. One very very powerful thing I'm going to share with you. When you understand what you are, you know what you're not. When you understand what you are, When you understand that what you are is one with Christ, you are a walking ambassador of Christ. When people see you, when people hear you, when you are in any atmosphere, when you are in any presence, uh, people have the access in that particular moment to feel the presence of Christ because the presence of Christ lives in you because you are one. You have mastered the being aspect of your purpose. And the the great thing, the powerful thing is when you know what you are, then you know what you're not. And you know that you're not weak anymore. You know that you're not anxious anymore. You know that you're not depressed anymore. You know that you're not poor, that you're not unable, that you you're not what people say you are. You are no longer tied to your past because if anyone is in Christ, notice how Paul writes that. He doesn't say if anyone accepts Christ, if anyone comes to Jesus, if anyone is 
in Christ, all things have been made new. The old things pass away. You know what you are not. So you don't have to validate the lies that the devil tries to put into your heart. You don't have to validate the lies that you hear around you because you know who you are in Christ. So we have a crisis in the church between purpose and mission. And the reason is because obstacles present themselves in the lives of many people, in the lives of many believers who are anxious, who are, are waiting patiently and, and they're, they're, they're doing the right things. But their mission, their, their mission isn't a byproduct of their purpose. So there is a disconnect. We have to understand that the two have to be synchronized. The two have to be synchronized. Why? Because your mission is a product of your purpose. Let's look at it in Ephesians chapter 4. And he himself gave some to be what? Apostles. Some to be prophets. Some to be evangelists. Some to be pastors and teachers. That's purpose. He himself gave to be. Notice the word. To be. That's purpose. And then mission is verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. Very clearly there Paul is teaching us purpose and mission. They have to be in synergy with each other. And what I love about understanding our purpose is that God will always supersede what man thought you were going to be. God will always supersede the purpose uh, that you thought you had for yourself. You might have gone to four-year college and gotten a master's degree because you wanted to be a certain profession. But at the end of the day, God changed your plans completely and even though you have accomplished uh, the the acquirement, the acquiring uh, of great knowledge because of your studies, uh, God totally flipped the script on you. Just like he did with Jeremiah. Jeremiah was supposed to be a priest. His destiny was to serve in the temple. He was the son of a Levite. He was the son of a high priest. But God told him, I know you're supposed to be a priest, uh, but since before I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you. I formed you and I made you a prophet to the nations. He talked about purpose first. And then he tells him what his mission is. I am sending you. You will go to all whom I send you. And whatever I tell you to say, you're going to speak. I have to be able to reconcile, to synchronize, to to create synergy be- between my mission and my purpose. Because if I don't, I am going to be occupying a mission. I'm going to be engaged in a mission that is out of sync with my purpose. And if it's out of sync with my purpose, it's never going to flourish. That's why we see people that they want to be an evangelist and they try that, it doesn't work out. Then they want to be a pastor, they try that, it doesn't work out. They, if, if you, if you, if you're seeing one or two things that you have been trying to engage in that's not working out, you have a disconnect between your purpose and your mission. 
Because your mission is going to come. It's going to flow from your purpose. Because if Christ is in you and you are in Christ and, and you're walking with Christ and you're, and you're growing in Christ and you're growing with Christ, uh, He is going to lead you to the mission that He has called you and assigned you to on this earth. And how great is it that for every, for every purpose, for every mission, God has given us gifts. God has given us tools. God has given us resources. He has equipped us with the things that we need to fulfill that mission. Not everybody is going to have a mission that requires a microphone and a pulpit. Not everybody is going to have a mission that requires a piano, a guitar, or, or, or a drum set. Not As a matter of fact, if you know that you're not that good of a singer, perhaps your mission isn't to be on the worship team. If you know that you're just not musical, you can't keep a beat. Like, for example, how many of you, you know, when you're clapping, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're messing up the person next to you because you're clapping off rhythm and the other person is like, wait a second, do I follow him or, or do I follow the drummer? Or, uh, Pastor Cole had to come up and show y'all how to clap. Praise the Lord. You guys weren't here for that. He done stopped where I said, well, hold on, folks. They're going to sing a song, and this is how I want you to We got a lesson on clapping in the fire of Jesus. But what I'm trying to say is when you identify your gifts, you it, it gives you a hint as to what your mission is. If your gift is prayer, if your gift is intercession, if you're, you, you might have a gift that you're able to be a benefactor to a, to a, to a missionary or to a ministry like Phoebe was. When Paul thanked, Paul had, a, Paul asked the, the church uh, in, in Philippi to, to thank her, to bless her for her being a benefactor to his ministry. You might be an Onesimus who was a partner and, and provided the things that, that, that were so essential to Paul being able to fulfill his mission. So perhaps your gifting is trying to tell you something, but in a lot of instances, it's not what we want to do. It's not the mission that we would prefer. It's not what we are, it's not what we are after. But you're always going to live in a conflict in that case between your mission and your purpose. Your purpose defines you. It identifies you. It, it tells you what you're going to be, why you're here. But your mission, it destines you. So your destiny, your destiny and your definition, your identity are, are in sync with each other. I just need to make the proper decisions in my life and seek the Lord so that I can make sure that I accommodate myself to God's plan and not try to accommodate God's plan to my plan. The synchronization of your purpose and mission will position you to access and activate those gifts that you have been given. To activate those gifts. Perhaps this is the, 
this might be the reason why people don't see the gifts of the Spirit manifested in their lives. Because God knows if they manifest, you'll misuse them. If they manifest, you won't use them for what your purpose is supposed to be used for. You, you, you have to understand that God knows more than I do. And if he gave me gifts, then he knows what they need to be used for. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let them do it as with the ability that God supplies. That in all things, God may be glorified. That in all things, God may be glorified. You have to understand that there's an assault on your mission. The enemy's not after your purpose because he knows that your purpose is unchangeable. When you are in Christ, when Christ is in you, that separate, that separation is an effort that although he will take it if it happens, uh, I don't have to worry about falling. I don't have to worry about failure. I don't have to worry about backsliding. If I keep my eyes on Christ and if I keep Christ uh, as the center of my life. Once I start to deviate, that's when I have a chance of falling. Once I start to go off the path, that's when I begin to put myself in a danger zone. But if I'm in Christ and he's in me and I'm standing on him, you may be broke. You may be between jobs. You may, you may have a problem in your marriage. You may need healing in your body. Whatever the obstacle, whatever the adversity, whatever the attack is, if Jesus is in you, uh, then you you will not fall. You will prevail. You have the victory. He made you a conqueror. He gave you the victory. All you need to do is trust Christ. So, so the devil knows that it's, it's hard to, it, it's hard to attack purpose because he can't change it. God created that. God established your purpose. He already planned it out beforehand because that's the kind of God he is. So he assaults rather your mission. He assaults your mission. And, and when you understand his angle of attack, you know that everything he's trying to attack is everything that you're trying to do. It's not about being anymore with him. It's about doing because a lot of people, if they're no longer doing, then they're going to begin to question their being. And they're going, and that's where the identity crisis comes in. That's where the lack of identity and the struggle in your mind, because you don't know who you are, because you took five steps back, because you didn't see that he was attacking your mission. And obstacles, a lot of times, we perceive them as serving as permission givers. Because when you're in your mission and an obstacle arises and you're facing a mountain or you're facing a storm or you're facing a, a, a sea that has no, that you have no way of getting to the other side, your mind tells you uh, this, this obstacle is not permitting you to continue. I'm not being allowed to continue. So if you're not being allowed to continue by that obstacle, 
and your purpose doesn't need permission to be fulfilled, then you have to take a stance at some point to tell the obstacle that the ops, that you don't need the obstacle, the adversity, the sickness. You don't need the attack. You don't need culture. You don't need society. You don't need political correctness. You don't need wokeness to give you permission to fulfill your purpose. The enemy will make any attempt to break the synergy between your purpose and your mission. Setbacks, betrayals, heartbreak. We've all gone through it. Failures, false accusations, an unexpected life-altering circumstance. You name it, and the enemy will use it. You name it, and the enemy will try it. But purpose will always overcome. Purpose will always prevail. Why? Look at what Job chapter 42. If anyone went through an obstacle, if anyone went through a trial, if there was anyone on the face of the earth in the history of humanity that struggled it was Job and at the end because it's chapter 42 at the end of it all in verse 2 I love the NIV because it uses a key word I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted hallelujah no purpose of yours can be thwarted and in the new, in the new living translation it says i know you can do anything and no one can stop you No one can stop you. When you have purpose, no one can stop you. When you understand your mission, no one can stop you. Don't wait for these obstacles to go away to give you the permission to keep on moving forward. Don't wait for, don't wait for, there is nothing better that you can do. There's, there's no greater indictment on the attack of the enemy than to be able to continue fulfilling the mission that God has put you on, that God has assigned you to even in the midst of the devil's attack. Come on, somebody, say amen to that. Even in the midst of the devil's attack, you keep on prospering. Even in the midst of the devil's attack, you continue to preach. You continue to worship. You continue to serve. You continue to be a benefactor to the kingdom of heaven, to the spreading of the gospel. Because you're staying on your mission. When Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to read from Isaiah. He reads from Isaiah and he's expressing the purpose that was the reason why he was there. It's, it's, this, is, this is the time that we're in. He's saying, this is, is, this is time now. It's, it's my time now. We're going to start. This is, this is talking about me. Y'all may not believe it. Y'all may not know it, but this is talking about me. So he expresses he reveals his purpose and on the on the back side of that in the aftermath of that he begins the mission and the first thing that Jesus is faced with when he commences the mission is rejection the first thing because the bible says that he went to nazareth and in Nazareth, because he was from there, he couldn't do any miracles because of the unbelief of the people. Not only did they unbelieve, when you read verse 28 to 30 of chapter 4 of Luke, not only did they unbelieve, but they tried to throw Jesus off of a cliff. 
So coming off, coming fresh off a 40-day fast, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the power of the Spirit of God. He went, he goes into like a boss. He stood up, he read Isaiah, and he sat right back down. He did it like a boss. And then he goes and he starts to cast demons out of people. And he starts to heal the blind and he starts to heal the sick. And then he goes to Nazareth and the first thing that he sees is rejection. They try to kill him. You have to understand that rejection and opposition is part of the mission. It's part of the nature of the mission. If you're not being rejected, if you're not being opposed, if you're not being objected to, you are off mission. Because if you are on the mission, the devil is not happy with what you're doing. And every time you open your eyes in the morning, every time you bow your head, every time you bend your knees to pray, and you are on your mission, you are a thorn on the side of the devil and he wants to take you out. But because your mission is connected to your purpose, Christ is driving you, Christ is guiding you, Christ is leading you, and There's nothing the devil can do to stop you. If you believe that, give him a shout of praise. So the first thing that Jesus experiences is rejection. Obstacles, opposition. I want to share with you real quick three keys to fulfilling your mission. You already know what your purpose is. So you know what your purpose is and you know that your mission has to be connected, has to be in synergy, has to be synchronized. Your mission is not idiosyncratic of your purpose. They are one. They have to be connected and synchronized. So once you're in your mission, once you're on mission, when you're on rhythm and you're in your momentum and the Holy Spirit is guiding you and leading you and Jesus is the one steering your boat and Jesus is the one leading the way, these three keys are going to help you fulfill and stay on that mission. And I'm going to use these three keys based on what we read in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 tells us that when Jesus went into the wilderness, he went full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. So the first thing you must understand is that you must be filled for your mission. You must be filled for your mission. Because Jesus was filled, he was able to overcome the the three temptations of the devil in the desert. And notice how those temptations were not just out exterior flesh-based temptations. They were purpose-based temptations. And because they were purpose-based temptations, Jesus, full of the Spirit, had every answer. And that's the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because He will give you every answer. In the epistle of John, He says, You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you know all things. When you are anointed, and Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and He has anointed me. That anointing provides you every answer to every problem. That anointing provides you every exit to every adverse situation. And so Jesus had every answer to Jesus's, I mean, to the to Satan's temptations. 
the key to overcoming temptation, whatever it is, could be financial, gambling, it could be a temptation to, to, to drink or a temptation to go back and, and use, and use drugs or a temptation to sleep around, a temptation to, uh, to watch pornography. Whatever the temptation is, sex based or marriage based or financially based or, or morality based, uh, the key to overcoming that temptation is being filled with the Spirit. We have too many empty Christians in church today. We have too too many empty believers uh, in church today. We need people to understand that they need less of themselves and more of the Holy Spirit. They need less of themselves and more of the Bible. They need less of they need less Facebook uh, and more FaceTime with God. They need less social media and they need more spiritual foundation in their lives. So when you're filled for the mission, you're able to pour out, you're able to give because you have. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they tell the lame man, I don't have gold and I don't have silver. But what I do have, I will give you because he had it. The Acts chapter 3, Peter, isn't the same Peter that we see in the Gospels. Because the Peter in the Gospels didn't know what he had. The Peter in Acts chapter 3, now filled with the Holy Spirit, fresh off of, fresh off of the, off of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the 120. Now he has something to give. You can't give what you don't have. You can't, you can't operate in a, in a, in a space that you would like to operate in, in the space of healing. You can't operate in the space of, of discernment and the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit if you're not filled first. And let me tell you something. You're not a 12-ounce cup from Wawa. You're not a 40-ounce cup. Now you see those big mugs now. How much... How long you how long you think it takes that person to drink that coffee in that forty ounce mug? He's still drinking it at three o'clock in there. Man, that's nasty. That ain't coffee no more. That's mud. You see these big cups. You're not a forty ounce cup. You're not a sixty. You're not a two liter. The Bible says that overflow is what we're supposed to be expecting. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overfloweth. Let me teach you something about overflow. You're not waiting for the overflow to stop being filled. The overflow is a product that you haven't stopped being filled. You continue and continue and can you serve an eternal God. He, he He's not a communist. We, we're, we're not serving a Bernie Sanders type of God where everything is rationed and you have a little and you have a little and you have a little. No. There is overflowing joy, overflowing peace, overflowing anointing, overflowing power. So when you understand that you're filled, eh, you're filled. It's a, it's a fill me till I overflow. So the state of overflow is a continual a continual outpouring even though it doesn't fit anymore. It's not about it fitting. It's not about it fitting. It's about it working. 
It's going to work in your mission. It's going to drive your mission. That overflow is going to drive your mission. Your mission in, in your, in your job, when you have an overflow of joy and you're sitting next to, next to coworkers that are depressed and anxious and sad and gas is so expensive and we're in a recession or we're not in a recession. Are we in a recession or not? And you, and you're, and you're constantly around people that are, that are trying to make sense of everything and you walk in with overflowing peace and overflowing joy and people see that and people and even though they don't under they don't have to understand it it's working in your life that that overflow is driving your mission that's why you need to be filled praise the lord number two is you need to be faithful to your mission jesus in the garden of gethsemane he wanted an alternative when Jesus is in the garden, he tells the Lord, he tells his father, he says, Father, if you can pass through me this cup. Pass through me this cup. Jesus is contemplating what he's about to undergo. He knows what's about to happen. He knows, he knows what he's going to be subjected to. And he's telling the father, if there's any way, God, if there's any way, father, pass this cup over me. Give me an alternative. But after his humanity speaks, his purpose speaks. His purpose speaks. He speaks from the heart. And he says, but let your will be done and not mine. He was faithful to his mission because he was dependent on the will of God. He was dependent on the will of the Father. Joseph was faithful to his mission, dependent on the will of the Father. Now, yes, I have my questions about the interaction between Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Because maybe she was just ugly. Did you ever think of that? Maybe she was just ugly and he... I'm kidding. So Joseph... Go through that temptation. And again, he was filled with the will of God. He was filled with trusting in the Lord and believing in his purpose and his mission. And he was able to stay faithful to God. The devil is after people because he knows that when people fail God, after embarking on their mission, after being called and after being filled, and they're not faithful to the Lord in their mission, that guilt begins to settle in and shame begins to settle in. And he begins to use that as a tool to continue to derail you and to continue to detour you. But when you're faithful in your mission, when you're like what Paul told Tim, Timothy, you need to make sure that every time you present yourself before God, you understand that you're not presenting yourself before a man, before a judge, before a friend. You are presenting yourself before God. Present yourself as a laborer, as a servant who has nothing to be ashamed of. Who has nothing to be ashamed of. Don't focus on false accusations. Don't focus on what people are talking about you. You're, you're at the end of the day, I have to give an account to God. So if I'm faithful to the Lord and people backstab me, if I'm faithful to the Lord and I'm faithful to my mission and people give me their backs and they leave me alone like they did to Paul, like they did to Jesus, if I'm faithful to my mission and I'm faithful to the God of my mission, I am not going to be steered the wrong way. My mission won't be objected to. My mission, my mission will be fulfilled. Can you say amen? 
We don't need faithfulness. We don't need faithfulness to ideology. We don't need faithfulness. We don't need to be faithful to political correctness. We need to be faithful to the word of God. My mission and my purpose comes from here. My identity comes from this. I am standing on this. My family is standing on the word of God. Where it says that I shall not want or need anything because God, the Lord, is my shepherd. I am standing on this. Where it says if you meditate on this day and night, you and your house will prosper. You will be like a tree planted by a river whose leaves never fall and everything they do prosper when you stand on the word of God oh my goodness there's no room there's no room to be faithful people ask me why do you believe in Christ because the relationship with the invisible Christ the Christ that I have never seen before in my life has provided more fruit than any relationship that I have had with people that I see every day. So, faithfulness is the second key. When you're faithful, you're firm. When you're faithful, you stay standing. When you're faithful, your weakness becomes strength. When you're faithful, you are fruitful. And when you're fruitful, you can ask anything of the Father in the name of Jesus, and He will give it to you. Can you say amen? Key number three is you have to stay focused on the mission. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 to 23. Uh, Peter is trying to, is trying to imply to Jesus, is trying to distract Jesus, and He tells him, Lord, never! Never should that happen to you. Talking about Jesus being killed. Jesus turns around and he says to Peter, Peter, get away from me, Satan. Now, I don't know about y'all, but has anybody here ever been called Satan before? He calls Peter in one conversation moments before. He calls Peter a rock. And in another conversation, he calls Peter Satan. And he says, get behind me because you are a stumbling block. When you are focused, you, you cannot be focused without discernment. Discernment is that gift that clarifies. Discernment is that gift that puts things into perspective. When you're able to discern something's not right with this person, something's not right, this offer seems too good to be true. When you're able to discern, it is the clarification of your mission. That's why it's one of the gifts of the Spirit. When you're filled and you're faithful, now your focused discernment begins to manifest in your life because there are going to be things uh, that are going to come along the way when you're on your mission and you're doing what you were called to do and you're, and you're preaching the gospel and you're getting people saved and you're, and you're speaking to your family members about Christ and, and or, or you're that benefactor and you're giving, you're a faithful giver and the, the, the gospel is being advanced by your seeds that you're sowing and you're seeing reciprocally what God is doing in your life. But along the way, somewhere, the enemy is going to try to infiltrate. And you need that focus. 
You need that discernment to understand what belongs and what doesn't belong. To understand that if you're light, there cannot be darkness associated with your mission. You are the one who changes darkness into light. You are the one who shines in the midst of darkness. But you are not the one who capitulates to darkness. Hello, am I speaking to somebody here? The church hasn't been called to capitulate to darkness. The church has been called to transform darkness into light. And discernment is always going to allow us to reject the things the Bible says examine everything examine discernment your mission needs that focus Philippians chapter 3 Paul says I have not already obtained all of this nor have I arrived at my goal but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I am focused on straining forward on what is ahead. I press on towards the goal. You have to be focused on your mission in this time. You can't be focused on cancel culture. You can't be focused on politics. Engage it. Biblically, but do not allow it to engage you. Do not allow it to engage you. Yes, we need to shine. Yes, we need to, we need to stay on mission. The reason why we need to stay on mission is because if we don't do it, nobody else will. This world is going to hell in a handbasket and we are the ones standing in the gap, church. We're the ones standing in the gap here in the Lehigh Valley. We're the ones standing in the gap for our families. We're the ones standing in the gap for our marriages. We're the ones standing in the gap for righteousness and truth and freedom. We're the ones standing in the gap if I veer off my mission if I veer off my mission we can speak until the cows come home about organizations that are are prominent organizations colleges universities nonprofits NGOs that started with a Christ centered faith centered mission Years and decades ago, and today you couldn't recognize them if if they if they showed you everything. You couldn't recognize them. Why? Because they got off mission. And your mission is what your purpose needs. So let me sum it up for you, and I and I close with this. Come on, Pastor Nicole. Your purpose doesn't need permission. Joseph didn't need permission. He sought it when he shared his dream. But it's necessary for you to share it. Why? Because when you share your dream, you're either going to sell people. You're either going to sell people or they're going to try to sell you. They're going to try to, you're either going to sell people on it or they're going to try to sell you. But when you share your dream, you share your purpose, people know who you are. And you know who you are, but you don't need permission from people to continue fulfilling your purpose. Let me put it this way. When Jesus walked in and he begins to read, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Ah. 
How many can say the spirit of the Lord is upon me? It all starts there. The spirit of the Lord. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. I want you to notice one thing about what Jesus is saying here. And the prophet Isaiah said it first. Uh, the key thing to understand with this is that he's beginning everything with the phrase, He sent me. He sent me. So when you're seeking validation from people, when you're seeking permission from obstacles, understand that the only permission that you need happened on the cross of Calvary. Because the greatest obstacle that was keeping you from your purpose, Jesus took it out of the way and he put you on your mission. He has sent me to heal the broken heart. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of the sight to the blind. Jesus didn't need permission to walk into that synagogue and read from Isaiah. Jesus didn't ask for permission to leave that synagogue and start healing the sick. When the, when the high priest in Acts chapter 5 told the disciples, the apostles, we strictly forbade you from speaking and teaching in this name. Acts chapter 5. We specifically told you not to speak about Jesus. We specifically told you not to teach about Jesus. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. They were so upset because they thought they were clear about telling the apostles, y'all don't have permission to preach about Jesus. But then Peter says, I never needed your permission. Hallelujah. I never needed your permission to stand for righteousness. I never needed your permission to speak truth. I never needed permission to stand up in the school board and tell them that they're teaching what they shouldn't be teaching. I don't need permission. David didn't need permission to slay Goliath. Abraham didn't need permission. He didn't need permission to be blessed. He didn't need, uh, Jesus didn't need permission to preach, to deliver, to heal, to give sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord. And the church doesn't need permission to shine in the darkness. The church doesn't need permission to take authority of the kingdom of darkness. God is speaking right now and he's telling you your mission is all you need because your mission your mission is totally endorsed by God he's the only endorsement you need 
You don't need the endorsement of a denomination. You don't need the endorsement of your buddies. You don't need the endorsement of a minister. The only endorsement, hallelujah, the only endorsement that you need, the only support that you need, if he has put you on the mission, he's going to give you the provision that you need. If he has called you to what you're doing, he's going to provide for you. If he told you that you are going to shine in the darkness, then you have to understand that there's no darkness in your life, in your family, in your surroundings that cannot be transformed simply by you staying on your mission. Stand to your feet with me. Lift up your hands. Close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, there, there is a mission that you have embarked this church on. There's a mission that you have put this church on, Lord. That in this, in this season, that in this season, Lord, will be catapulted to new levels with a new anointing, God. And the enemy, Lord, is continually after. The enemy is continually after our marriages, our families, our young people. So we pray, God, right now in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus for that infilling of your Holy Spirit. Right now in the name of Jesus for that overflow of your anointing. Right now in the name of Jesus we pray that every attack of the enemy, that every angle of attack of the enemy will be closed down, shut down, inoperable right now. Attacks against our marriages, attacks against our our finances, attacks against our mission, Lord. Lord, cancel culture, political correctness, wokeness, God. The, the, The radical ideologies that go against your biblical truth, Lord, goes against what you have established in your word that are trying to seep into churches now are trying to seep in uh, to the Christian worldview. Lord, we declare that it be casted out in the name of Jesus. You open the eyes of prophets in this place. You open the eyes of watchtower people in this place right now, God. In Jesus' name, I declare your gifts manifested, Lord. Raise your hands all over this room. The gifts that God has ordained for you to have as tools for you to fulfill your mission. Uh, he is going, they're going to be manifest today, right now. I declare in the name of Jesus, right now, the gift of discernment, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift of, of the word of knowledge. The Lord in Jesus' name, right now, the gift of miracles is manifesting uh, in somebody right now, Lord. We're going to leave this place uh, equipped uh, to continue our mission. We're going to leave this place equipped, God, to fulfill what you have called us to do in the name of Jesus. Lord, I declare a harvest right now. Oh, Lord, I'm speaking prophetically. I'm declaring a harvest right now next Saturday. I'm declaring a harvest right now next Saturday in the name of Jesus. The gifts that are being manifested, the gifts that are being manifested right now in the name of Jesus are going to be manifest, are going to be on display next Saturday in the name of Jesus. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see healing. We're going to see people transformed by the power of your Holy Ghost right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, just worship him for 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare healing over everybody. 
I declare restoration over every broken heart in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, because you know your mission is under assault, I, I want to pray for you. Just, just run up here right now. I feel like there are people that are waiting for obstacles, for obstacles to move in order for you to continue. But God says you don't need to wait for the obstacle to move. You need to move the obstacle. For a lot of you, that obstacle is sickness in your body. For some of you, that obstacle is finances. For others, that obstacle is just there is, there are things happening internally in your family that are not allowing you to get back on that mission. I want to pray for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, church, just lift up a sound of praise right now. Lift up a sound of praise right now. There are folks gonna be, they're gonna be put back on mission right now, back on purpose right now back on the path towards fulfilling the glory of God being manifest in your life right now. I'm going to ask evangelist Nick and Emily to help me pray. My wife to help me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, right
Hallelujah. And nothing is impossible for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, these people leave anointed, leave filled, and leave on mission. In the name of Jesus, nothing will stop you. Nothing will keep you. You will move obstacles so that your mission will be fulfilled in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give him a shout of praise if you believe it. God bless you. Be blessed. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here in taking the gospel, not only to the Lehigh Valley, but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.